It's often one of the trickiest spots to project when it comes to college basketball. And it's a team after a really disappointing loss, but you know they're still pretty good. And then they get another tough team the next game because the natural inclination is the next game they're going to continue to suffer the same fate. And maybe that will happen to the Virginia Cavaliers, but there's also reason to be critical, not just because of my middle school voice that just cracked momentarily in the fast lane, but also because... North Carolina, historically, they've had challenges going up to Charlottesville. It's not been easy. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the coach, Tony Bennett, and the system that they employ and how well the Cavaliers have executed that, particularly at JPJ versus on the road, and we've seen that play out as well this year. And it's what makes it really fascinating tomorrow when these two teams, Carolina and Virginia, square off at 4 p.m. Joining us now, a former North Carolina Tar Heel, had many moments of greatness during his time in the light blue and white, and now has more moments of greatness, just in a different capacity, sharing his insight on the ACC Network and at Joel Berry 2. That would be the number two on Instagram and the Roman numeral two on Twitter. Joel Berry, back with us once again in the Fast Lane. Joel, a pleasure to speak with you. Hope you're well, and more importantly, kudos to you for insisting we do the interview later in the week because it was your wife's birthday earlier this week and uh, i know as a married man myself you know almost a decade veteran of the honeydew club you can't miss those days without expecting real blowback yeah you you can you can't and i feel like you know as part of what we do you know it takes a lot of our time it takes a lot of sacrificing um so you know the the, the one thing that we can do is be mindful of those days and, and and be able to move some things around to be able to spend a day with them. So uh, I appreciate your patience with me um, and allowing me to move it, uh, move it back. Um, but man, I'm so happy to be here and join you again, man. I love being on, Love being on the show and love your energy that you bring. <laughs> well, thank you for the kind words. Tony Bennett would like his team to channel some of this energy. They would be more athletic so they could apply it better tomorrow. Um, do you anticipate that that's the one given out of this matchup for Virginia fans who don't know what to expect, particularly from their offense, that the energy will be a lot better than what they did or, in, in Tony Bennett's eyes, did not show in the loss in Blacksburg this past Monday? Yeah, and that's the thing about being at home. You know, in some of those those times when, you know, the ball isn't going in the basket or there are stretches where, um, you know, the things aren't going your way, the crowd can kind of get into it and get you back going in the right direction. So, you know, with being in the JPJ, man, it's hard to, it's hard to play in there. Um, you know, they have a really good record this year and a really good track record being at home. So after a loss like that, you know, you want to be back in front of your home crowd and kind of get some of that home cooking um, to be able to get you on the right path again. Joel, in terms of that environment, how much is you you played there? So you obviously have a, a feel for the John Paul Jones Arena Challenge as a visitor from when you played at North Carolina. How much of it is the environment at JPJ? How much of it is what that environment gets to to watch, which is a really good Virginia defense all the time? How much of that makes it a challenge for teams like North Carolina and plenty the rest of the year outside of Pitt to go on the road and win at JPJ? What I love about JPJ is like there's a respectful type of rowdy with that crowd. You know, they aren't. You know, they aren't outrageous. They aren't, you know, yelling crazy things at you. Uh, they're very respectful, but they do get rowdy at the same time. So let's let's not be mistaken. 
Uh, but it's like for different things, you know, it's not your typical slam dunk or your three point shots. They get excited about shot clock violations. They get excited about steals. They get excited about a lot of the things on the defensive end. So, you know, once you get into that point in the game where you're down against Virginia um, and you've had some shot clock violations and you see yourself down by eight points, you get lulled into thinking that you need to get all the points back in that one possession. And then it all, it, all of a sudden it ends up snowballing. Um, and next thing you know, you're down 15, which we know with the lack of possessions that you get versus Virginia – you end up you end, uh you, that ends up turning into a uh, a 25 point that's what it feels like almost so you have to go in there you have to stay poised you have to stay uh together um and have that cohesiveness and continue to work and work and re- find really good quality shots because if not once they start getting shot clock violations once they start getting stops now you you now the crowd is involved and then that's when it gets really tough it's interesting you bring it up, Joel. I don't know if you ever experienced this when you were at North Carolina and played it at John Paul Jones Arena, but did you guys ever commit a shot clock violation and hear how loud it gets for a shot clock violation compared to like most places they get excited for a dunk, but at JPJ it's a defensive stand. Yeah, I think I think uh, I, I would love to know the statistic, but I'm I, it has to. A team that walks into JPJ has to at least get one shot clock violation uh, within the game. If not, then I, I want to see what team and how they end up faring out. But I feel like every time – I think we've had multiple uh, shot clock violations because they work you so hard defensively and you lose sight of the clock and next thing you know you're trying to go one-on-one and you forget, oh, <laughs> there's a shot clock. And then next thing you know you're the, the, the crowd is loud and like you said – and like I said earlier, it's not a dunk, it's not a dunk, it's not a three-point shot. It's a it's a shot clock violation. So that's when it, you know, that's that's what makes the crowd so unique and playing in JPJ is because it's so, along with how Tony Bennett and his team plays with one of the slowest paces in the country, you tie that with a crowd that gets excited about things that coaches hate, which are shot clock violations, and you got a recipe for disaster. Joel, Joel Barry the second experiencing the fury from defensive stands in Charlottesville firsthand. He had his moments of greatness too as a North Carolina Tar Heel, and he gets to bring that insight to the ACC network. And thankfully for us today in the fast lane, part of that matchup tomorrow in Charlottesville, Carolina at Virginia, is the worry that Virginia fans have about keeping up with North Carolina because. The Carolina offense has, by and large, been pretty consistent, and the Virginia offense has definitely not. How much does that pretend to be a real challenge, or do you see Virginia controlling this game defensively and therefore having a chance throughout? And I, I, I think that's the problem is Virginia um, and, and them being able to score the ball. Uh, you know, Carolina is – you know, you have this game where Carolina is leading – the conference in uh, points per game, and then you have D, uh, Virginia leading the conference in defensive scoring points per game. Um, and so that's really the battles of the number ones on the opposite spectrum. But at the end of the day, you put you put points on the board. And so with Carolina being that team that can score the ball, um, that, that should worry the Virginia fans and the Virginia team um, because they will have to get stops. Um, you know, the only thing is – 
is that there are a lot of holes, and I don't think this has been one of Tony Bennett's uh, premier defensive teams as we've seen in the past with, you know, your Malcolm Brogdon's, um, your DeAndre Hunter teams. Uh, this one is uh, uh, not not as good. So I think that's the concern is that with such a high-powered offense in Carolina, um, they can be able to get it going uh, against the Virginia team. And I look, you know, I looked at some of the games and uh, the games that Virginia lost. Every team that shot or made over eight three-pointers end up ends up winning the game. So they will have to try to limit Carolina from the three-point line um, and not allow them to get to that number because it seems like that's been the success and beating of Virginia defensive team. Shifting out of that game with Joel Berry the second, Joel Berry Roman numeral two on Twitter, the number two on Instagram to connect with Joel uh, as he's joining us in the fast lane. Um, Pitt welcoming in Virginia Tech five o'clock airtime right here at CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app tomorrow for that game. Um, how much of this for Pitt is you can't lose this as much as Virginia Tech's trying to rally and get a surge to, to make a tournament case. If you're Pitt and you want to go to the big dance, is it reasonable to say this is a game they absolutely have to win and are more than capable of with their offensive skill set? Yeah, I do think uh, I think Pitt does have to win this game. Um, but uh, honestly, it's a it's an important game for both teams because both teams are trying to get themselves in the NCAA tournament. And the thing is, they're still under consideration and have a chance. So when I look at this game, it's, it's very important. Um, and I think that, you know, I think Pitt has what it takes. They, they've been playing really well uh, with some of their lineup change-ups, with uh, putting Jalen Lowe in the starting lineup and bringing Ishmael Leggett off the bench. Um, they have some really good pieces. We saw the performance that Blake Henson put up the other night. Um, so we know – that he can he can get it going and then is is the catalyst um, for that pit team. But it's going to be a really good game. And Virginia Tech is coming off a game where they just you know hung hung thirty four points or beat the team by thirty four points. That's leading the conference in defensive scoring uh, points per game. So um, I know they're w- walking in with confidence in this game, um, and so is Pitt. You know they're coming off that Wake Forest loss, but they're they're still playing really good basketball. Um, and I think this is an important game when you look at what's at stake for both teams trying to solidify themselves and getting an NCAA tournament bid. Speaking of important games and what's at stake, if Wake Forest can beat Duke tomorrow, you would think they really solidify the fact that they're, they're kind of in the inside of the NCAA tournament picture, but it's wobbly right now. You would think a win really does wonders for Steve Forbes' bunch. How much do you expect Duke to be in for a buzzsaw at two o'clock tomorrow in Winston Salem? Oh, I think it's, I think they're they are in a buzzsaw type of situation. It will be, uh, uh, the Joel will be sold out. Um, Wake Forest is playing really well right now, and they know that they need those quality wins to be able to get themselves to where there's no more questions around is Wake Forest an NCAA tournament team. You ask me, yes. Do I think they will be in the tournament? Yes, at the end of the day. But the one thing you want to do is be able to control your destiny, and I think that this game will help them get on the other side of that question mark and be able to and for people to say, okay, yes, this is a tournament team. Um, and so they're, they, got, they, they got Duke right where they want them. They're 14-0 at home. So that plays right into Wake Forest's hand. Um, and they, they have, if you ask me, one of the best starting fives in the country. 
Um, they've been they've looked really different with having Efton Reed back, having Damari Monsanto uh, back, and having some guys come off the bench with production. Um, this is going to be a very high level game. I'm very excited. Um, but I think, you know, this game is more important for Wake Forest uh, more than anything because they need that quality win to go along with uh, the Florida win as a quad one. But there's no telling where Florida will end up. So they need to be able to get this quad one opportunity. Big point made by Joel Berry. He drops more of them at Joel Berry, the number two on Instagram, and the Roman numeral two on Twitter and on the ACC Network. Joel Thank you for your time today in the fast lane. We appreciate it, and hopefully your wife was pleased with your decision to punt our interview and focus on her on her birthday. <laughs> yes, yeah, simply put, she was pleased. So thank you again, and uh, always enjoy the time, my man. I appreciate you having me. It's our pleasure. Joel Berry back with us once again here in the fast lane. We'll pivot away from around the ACC to back to that Carolina-Virginia game when we return Andrew Jones, Tar Heel Illustrated with his perspective next. And then after that, Trey and I will blitz through our votes of confidence to wrap up the fast lane, probably going into overtime. But, you know, what the heck? It's a Friday afternoon on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.